0: Welcome to a special edition of Inside Jokes. I'm Sandra Carusi and this is Talk Radio AM 640 and this show uh, has come from a special place uh, in terms of why I wanted to do the show. Uh, Inside Jokes, first of all, if you haven't tuned in yet before, this is uh, about everything to do with comedy and behind the scenes and of course Inside Jokes. We talk to comics, stand-up comics, sketch artists, um, and even, you know, as of late, uh, board game creators and game show creators uh, that we had most recently on the show. And uh, one thing uh, which was so much fun for me, what a thrill it was, that I went to the Just for Last Festival uh, in the summer and saw some A-list comics uh, from Canada and the U.S. And I got to hit the red carpet. And I had special thanks to the folks at JFL um, for allowing me on the red carpet because they only had limited amount of spaces. And I was so lucky to be one of the media uh, folks on there because I got to speak to a lot of people and ask a lot of questions. It's an interesting format, just for laughs. And I always, you know, a big part of this show is promote live comedy. um, Because first of all, you could watch it on YouTube, which is good too. Like those views help the comics, believe me. Um, Or most importantly though, I always want to encourage you, go out to see live comedy as a night of entertainment. Um, The reason being is I even know looking back at my stuff, and and people who know me who followed me to gigs live and then see it back. And they say, as I see myself, is live is totally different. It brings it off the page, if that makes any sense. In studio with me, of course, is my producer, Vince Tedesco. Hello, Vince. Hello, hello. And Vince, you and I went on uh, the long weekend, Labor Day long weekend to the Molson Amphitheater to see the Oddball Comedy Festival.
1: Yes, great comedy festival, big array of talent there.
0: Right? Amy Amy Schumer.
1: Uh was one of the headliners Aziz Ansari. Um a lot of stand Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll. Like, I yeah. love Nick Kroll. Great. Uh, that
0: see, but can I just let's talk about what? that for a second. <laughs> After he he's got lots of stuff on YouTube um and all his sketch stuff. But when I saw his stand up, life like that i had this renewed love for the guy well Such sure it brings, out,
1: it brings out everything that's it's, it, it, you're seeing it in a whole new light again mm-hmm. i mean sketch comedy is one thing and 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 watching a produced sort of uh funny sketch on youtube where everything just plays out perfectly it, it, it's great and all but catching something alive seeing magic happening before your eyes mm-hmm instant organic crowd reactions mm-hmm. nothing beats that nothing beats that at all
0: and amy schumer who's very hot and right now and has been actually for a while you know just that her movie came out this year train wreck of course uh but she performed at oddball comedy festival and i remember friends saying i didn't know she was performing there and she was part of the bigger cast that was there and watching her because i had seen her since at amy at the apollo mm-hmm. um and some of her other stand-up uh, women who kills it was her and four other women I think and watching her that night and what I love about it is that they change their material uh depending on the crowd or she's using new material she or she takes the material and she'll switch it around and then when you're watching live comedy like that you remember it was a nighttime uh Labor Day weekend that Sunday night and there was um moths around her right and remember she goes what's with these pterodactyl moths what's going on (laughs) and she would just break into improv which is what's joy about live comedy that you just, you know, you don't always get an edited versions of YouTube specials or uh, Comedy Central specials and that sort of thing.
1: Well, that's 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 the art form of, of a stand-up comic, I think, or, or a sketch writer or, I, I mean, improv is, is is a big thing. We both took improv. It's how we yes. met. It's how we kind of Second our, city classes. Our, yeah, it's how we flourished our friendship. And the cerebral mentality of a stand-up comic mm-hmm. to kill on the spot, to think of, like their mind is going 90- Mm-hmm. miles an hour mm-hmm. of they're already 10 15 20 steps ahead of the crowd because they know where their brains got to go in order to get to where they want to get to get to the punchline to get and then sometimes things like moths around your head yeah. attack you and you're just there instantly yes and and that's how a comic mind works it moves ever so fast at rapid speeds always looking for or, or seeing And steps ahead. That's
0: right. Yeah. And I think we've talked with comics along in the show, um, talking about, you know, preparing and how they prepare and really what goes into doing stand-up. I think a lot of people as viewers, we take for granted what goes into it, but then actually talking to a comic and seeing it as a craft and how much... Uh, is behind it is so fascinating and and that's what I loved about my time at uh, Just For Last Festival this past summer in Montreal because I got to go behind the scenes and really speak one-on-one with some really incredible talent and uh, then you know beforehand I would prep in my hotel room watching their stuff so I was prepared and then speaking to them one-on-one and then watching them again later there's so much you learn and draw from the experience uh, of learning about stand-up comics and what work goes into it and so this is especially edition of inside jokes i'm santa Carusi with producer vince tedesco as we explore some comics from Just for Laughs and my interviews and talk a little bit of what we've learned thus far on our uh, lovely little show here on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock on Talk Radio, AM 640. Welcome back to the special edition of Inside Jokes. I'm Sandra Carusi uh, with producer Vince Tedesco and of course technical producer Brittany. And uh, this is a special holiday edition where we're reviewing uh, the world of comedy from my time at the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal. I got some great interviews there and just uh, having a rap session with my boy Vince Tedesco about the craft, about the industry, and what we've learned with the show thus far. And uh, one of the interviews when I was on the red carpet was with Kevin Hart, who I got to see at the Bell so Center. So hot
1: right now, Kevin He Hart. is.
0: He's all over the place, right? Like, he's just peaked. What a great year for him. And Bell Center had over 14,000 people. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah. It was it was quite a spectacle. Uh, he's so much talent and everybody thinks it's funny. I was talking to some people and they're like, "Well, Kevin Hart, he swears a lot." Do you know throughout that whole show he did that night at Bell Center did not swear? Really? Okay. Not yeah. And so he's not about that just because his characters in some of the movies he's played in like Wedding Ringer and some of those uh, that's just part of the character, but uh even when he was on with Seinfeld, comedians and cars getting coffee, I don't think he was dropping all kinds of bombs here and there. No, they he usually just...
1: keep it pretty clean. But so, yeah.
0: w- but what struck me is when I interviewed him, he is a consummate professional, and this is when we were talking about before the break about this art of comedy, uh, which is the the podcast where this all started. This show uh, that is still running with my good friend Maggie Casello over at Peach Radio, peachradio.com. dot com. The art of comedy as a craft is uh it's a profession and i think uh it's taken for granted as viewers as an audience and we don't really know what really goes into it but it's interesting what kevin hart told me about it and we're going to hear about that in this clip uh what
2: is the qualities you respect in a comic the qualities that i respect in a comic uh quality number one a comic that respects the art of sitting down and putting time into their craft whether it be writing Whether it be thinking, literally just, uh, I guess you can say, on a day-to-day basis, there needs to be some time allocated out of your day to be spent on your craft. Comics that understand that, I respect that. How often do you like to change your material when you're doing so many shows? Um, Every year. I mean, I I do, I say every year and a half, because my tours normally last for about a year. So once that tour is done, i got to get a new hour. So anywhere from a year, year and a half, depends. Like, uh, this one took me... This one took me over a year and a half. This one took me close to two years because, let me explain, I put so much pressure on myself. So I said, you know, I had to come back bigger and better with what now. So I needed that material to be right. So I constantly tweaked and changed and turned and moved. And this one was a process. So this one was probably about closer to two years.
0: Awesome time with Kevin Hart. And uh, Vince Tedesco, Mr. Producer, uh, did you hear what he said? It took a year to create material for a show.
1: Well, that goes to show you that no matter... What part of the game you're at, whether you're starting to be a stand-up mm-hmm. or whether you have 15 years, 20 years experience, it's the same process. you got to work at your craft. Yeah. The craft. He said every day. Every day. Yeah. Every day. got to be writing down notes. Like to, like I said, the mind of a stand-up comic, it never turns off. It's always going. It's thinking 90 miles an hour. And the evolution of a joke, mm-hmm. as the way Kevin puts it, it needs to be worked on daily by the hour, by the minute, you think of something. People sleep with notepads by their.
0: Yes, by their Seinfeld dresser. talked about that. Yeah. I do. I have a notepad and I'm starting to actually make voice recordings on my phone finally. I was at Costco yesterday, which of course was a blizzard of activity, of material just spewing out. Just Of course, you, there's so much stuff that you see on yeah. a day to day
1: basis that, yeah, you forget that you write it down. I, I carry my phone sometimes. I think it's funny. You write it down. Mm-hmm. You know, you try mm-hmm. to use it again.
0: Well, w- so with Kevin Hart, too. Um, He's just, again, not everything you see, you think he is. Like, you know, how I was talking about people just thinks he drops the F-bomb and everything else. When you heard that interview, how serious he is about this craft, and you see it on stage. I mean, there was no messing around. What was interesting was when I watched him live at the Bell Centre, and he also played ACC here in Toronto, um... Is that his opening acts, he had about three or four guys who were... Four guys opening act, why? I think it was three or four. They had the MC, and then there was either two or three more guys. Phenomenal. Like, top-notch, right? The MC in particular just... I mean, when you're MCing 14,000 people, that's a whole different story. Uh, But anyway, it was all a lot about, you know, making sure the phones are off and everything. We're going to talk about that, though. But here's another guy I want to talk. Another interview I had, TJ Miller. Mm -hmm. who is in a show called Silicon Valley
1: right not a household name but he's he's booming he's he's huge in LA
0: yeah he is and um, if you see him you would know him and uh, he's very well respected an incredible impeccable improv artist yeah like you haven't seen and uh, here's my interview with him at uh, JFL Montreal this past summer what are the signs you respect or the qualities you respect in a comic?
3: I mean, I think that is part of it, is being a good improviser, being able to work off the cuff, because the main, the important thing I think about, um, the important thing I think about stand-up is that it's a live, so much of what we consume in terms of culture and entertainment is not live. You're not sharing it with the person who's creating it or the artist or whatever you want to call it. In my case, the toddler-bodied con man, and um but i I really i I think if you're if you're off the cuff if you're able to change gears that's really great and then i also i'm jealous of people who are great writers you know
0: yeah because people who are stand up
3: someone like jimmy carr lately i've been watching and it's just it's unbelievable a comeback king it's unbelievable so it's very nice to to watch that too because that's not something i do i'm not like a big one-liner guy you know
0: who's in your comic tribe who are the guys you hang with or jam with or
3: Sure. all of ours is the Chicago crew. So that's Pete Holmes, Hannibal, Nick Vatterat, Kyle Kinane, um, Mike Holmes, Mike Bridenstine, uh, Matt Bronger. Yeah, it's like, it's it's a whole crew. And those are all, Kumail, Thomas Middleditch. Those are all people we all came up in the Chicago scene. So we try and keep it pretty close there.
0: Final question, what's your dream gig?
3: You know, I was saying a Woody Allen movie the other day, and then I realized that's not the case at all, that I would much rather be in a Coen Brothers movie because they're so funny, and they're so funny in very different ways. So, especially doing The Big Lebowski tonight, we've been thinking about that a lot lately. I'd love to do that, you know, or uh, as of late, I thought it'd be interesting to play Andy Warhol in some movie or short film, yeah, I would like that.
0: The incredible T.J.
3: Miller, I just loved meeting him, he's so
0: much fun, what an incredible sketch artist. I also saw him at JFL 42 here in Toronto, I went to see him at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre events, and um, talk about the improv, you know what I liked about him? He just talked right off the top about sponsors, and I love that, he gets to show business part of that. <laughs> and one person who really knows that well is Andy Kindler, and he uh, i have an interview with him we're going to hear from and also the magnificent my favorite and a guy you know sebastian maniscalco love him awesome that, that's all coming up on the special edition of inside jokes on talk radio am 640. the very special edition of inside jokes i'm santa cruci with producer vince tedesco Hola, andy kindler he is like he does the annual state of the industry address at jfl every year he is so respected amongst comics you would know him. You don't know his name, audience, but you do know him. He was on. Um, Everybody
1: loves Raymond. Everybody
0: loves Raymond. Regular on Letterman. Yes.
1: Uh, yeah. Typical stuff, little Jewish stand-up. comic.
0: Yeah, with the glasses and everything else. And he—he's uh, coming up. He tells me all kinds of stuff in this interview with Andy Kindler. One thing you're most famous for is, amongst many things, is talking openly about the predictability—a predictability of comedians.
4: Yes, um, I have. A, that's one of my pet peeves. Well, if you can predict where they're going, then it's not a surprise, right?
0: Yeah, it's a big risk going there in the community. I mean, you have come to a level where you could kind of say that, but are you ever worried about being ostracized?
4: Yes, yeah, so I, I still worry about it. Uh, but that's more like has to do with my own insecurities and maybe the reality, but who knows? Yeah. Something could, could happen to you, to me, but the worrying about it isn't going to help. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm, uh, you know... Even if I wasn't doing the kind of things I was doing, I would be way more, I'm way more secure than I was when I started and everything, so it's not like I walk around in fear. But the idea that whatever you're doing could be derailed happens at any point in life.
0: So who's ostracized you, who's criticized you for talking like that?
4: Um, I think, well, like, I mean, I know that the, some of the people I've made fun of have, you know, like I know Adam Sandler didn't like when I make fun of him, and you know, so I know that's happening. But I don't think that I've been, like, banned from... I mean, of course, I. if you're making fun of people, they're not going to use your in their projects, so in that sense... And that, that doesn't deter you at all? It uh, You know, I, I, I think about it, because yeah. there is a certain amount of politics related, involved with anything that you do. There's a certain amount of politics, and that's a good thing sometimes. So I'm always, in a way, like, you know, trying to not... Currently, bite the hand that feeds me, or you know, I'm not doing it in a, uh, a way that's uh, deceptive. Oh, yeah, deceptive. You're, yeah, you're. Open. I'm just trying to be. You yeah. can be anything that you do could be self-destructive in the in the right. And I have a tendency towards that. I think
0: that this it's a metaphor for a comic in general being in front of a room of people. You might alienate the audience themselves, so it's no different. Like
4: that's true. Uh, the only difference would be that most comics would not, don't go to the areas I go to because they know it's almost like an unwritten rule.
0: Well, sometimes, though, they want to be an artist and they don't care about the audience. What do you feel about that?
4: Well, that's good, right? For the comics who want to be artists and don't care about uh, oh, the audience. Well, you're saying, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, the way you're phrasing that sounds negative. So that's like someone who's who thinks they're better than the audience or something?
0: No, I think... I- I guess the question is, and I and I don't want to bring an intonation to it. There's two ways of doing things. Some comics really pander to the audience and want to make sure. And others will say, "Well, this is my material. If you don't like it, if it's too blue, it's too bad. You leave, not me." Right. right.
4: Uh, uh, everything an artist does, anything a comic does, it, it always depends on on their what's going on with them. So if they're if, if what they're presenting to the audience is more about their own hostility, then that's not funny. But if they're saying, I know this is funny, this audience didn't get it, that's that's the way you should be. Right. You know? So you shouldn't pander, but you also shouldn't get a, a chip on your shoulder. Right, right.
0: So what do you find is predictable in a comic?
4: Uh, and, that you don't like? or that well, you... well, I guess when the style of the comedian Overwhelms their personality. If they're not doing a character, if it's not Pee Wee Herman and it's not a character, then, the, then I tend to favor comics who don't sound like they're trying to be comics or making. Who, you can sense something is not sincere about them. And that, I think, is the difference between the comics I like. I love characters, like I love Nick Kroll, I love people who do cower, but I also love people who you see that they are on stage who they are off stage. So
0: it always comes back. I keep hearing this from comics at your level, the authenticity. The more authentic you are, who you are, instead of a persona.
4: Absolutely. And that's like, you know, the positive lesson of working to make yourself whoever you want to be as a comedian is people can sense when it's not authentic. And uh, some comics are able to get away with tricks, some very, very famous comics. I get away with tricks, but generally... What do you mean by tricks? By just not being... You know, say, Larry the Cable Guy, in a way, is a trick to me. Not that he's not bringing his own personality, but it's very... Predictable? Predictable, yeah. Okay. So
0: now we know. So what are the qualities you respect? Authenticity? Who is someone you really like and are watching now?
4: Well, I always go back to James Adomian. James Adomian does... uh, You know, you could loosely say he does impressions, but he's so hilarious. And he's he's he is bringing his own I can it's hard to even describe what he does. He just works on so many different levels. And he's working in a field that generally could be very hacky with your impressions. So he's one of the best, I think. And doing there's a lot of comics doing new things, you know. Now you don't have to be afraid to be gay, you don't have to be afraid to be a lot of things, and that creates an interesting can it's kitschy though like
0: the ethnics doing the ethnic stuff the gays doing the gay stuff it's not really extending yourself as an artist
2: though
4: well i don't mean it that way i mean like you don't have to hide that you're gay okay yeah, yeah. right so in the old days you could you know ellen generous you could understand she didn't want to say she was gay no i uh, yeah because that anything could be hacky it's like hello people yeah. uh yeah though those are the most hacky type things yeah excellent so uh, we'll wrap
0: it up what i like to ask all comics um, your favorite joke or bit from someone else?
4: Um, I think that uh, I'm, one of my favorite jokes of all time, maybe my favorite, is Kurt Metzger. I'm not gonna do justice to it, but the basic, you should look it up online or whatever. The bit is learning about Michael Jackson's death. He says, I learned about Michael Jackson's death. I'll never forget it. I was at my own father's funeral. And someone burst in and said, "I have terrible news." So it's this whole <laughs> ridiculous thing that just points to the ridiculousness of celebrity and that absurdity, we, absurdity. Yeah. So that's my. Would be great. Excellent. Yeah. And what's one of your own bits that you love? Uh, I've been well. I've been there's one that I've been working on for a while that's actually starting to work, but I liked it. Nobody did, but it was like the, you know, Hitler used to refer to his uh, enemies as haters. Uh, so, like, uh, well, <laughs> that was the original joke, which I loved. But then, uh, but I loved it. But then I, I said, like, you know, gold bulls would come in. So you know, you know, your numbers are down, your favorability. He goes, the haters, they're haters. <laughs> <laughs> Hate the hater, play the player, uh, and uh, play the hater, player, player. He also used to complain about the PC police. You know, if they say, you know, they don't like what you're saying about the Jews. Oh yeah, here come the PC police. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's absurdity, yeah, that's it's,
4: absurd. but it's classic, classic comedy. Excellent, thank you. Who's your favorite comic? Uh, probably of all time. i uh, be a Letterman in some ways, and then Richard Pryor maybe as a stand-up. Inside Jokes,
0: I'm Santa Carusi, Vince Tedesco, on our special holiday edition, and we're just talking about these interviews that was Andy Kindler just before talking about authenticity, which, Vince, was something I hear often. We've even heard in the studio from the comics about the importance of authenticity and vulnerability with mm-hmm. Patton Oswalt. He talked about that, too. And uh, we're we're coming up to an interview that of a guy we both love very much, Sebastian Maniscalco. Love him, yes. Love him. So you um, actually met him when you spent some time in L.A.
1: Yeah, saw him when he was a nobody, when he went by the name Sebastian because he didn't know... If anybody could pronounce Maniscalco.
0: <laughs> which most don't.
1: Which, which is like it's it was just seeing somebody, the evolution of, of a career start. And he had bits like one-offs. Just how about having hanger nipple? When you take your sweater off the hanger and it's got the little <laughs> little points on the shoulders i love him them. so he, what,
0: what about the waiter thing when he worked as a waiter yeah he
1: mentions that in his clip as well uh yeah he, I, we, we because saw you him.
0: told me about it happened we so saw it up. live he's like
1: this table thinks i'm serving bread and he came up on stage and he was in full waiter garb with the apron on and he did a five-minute set knocked it killed it people were just laughing because he so was dressed he wor- like a waiter.
0: He was working in a restaurant, and then he ran across the street to do a set at a comedy club.
1: He had a one-shot gig. got it to do a five-minute set. He took it, and he told the table he was
0: getting bread. Our boy, Sebastian Maniscalco. <laughs> do you often uh, target your material based on the audience?
5: Well, if I'm doing something so broad as, like, The Tonight Show, I don't want to pigeonhole it to just say it's Italians. Because growing up in an immigrant family, no matter Spanish, Greek, Italian... I believe we all kind of grew up with this same mentality from our parents and uh, it's very relatable if you're coming from an immigrant family. So you're right, when I'm in a heavily populated Italian area, I will use the Italian a little bit more, but I don't want to pigeonhole myself as this Italian comedian because a lot of my material is observational about everyday stuff. It just so happens that I come from an Italian family with an overbearing father that uh I like to kind of, uh, and and it, it's growing. I mean, as, as I reflect on my childhood, I'm starting to remember a lot of different things that my father told me that is so out of out of the realm of norm that I at the time I didn't know it was uh, abnormal. Yeah. But now as I, walk, I go, I can't believe what he was telling me. But uh, it's it's good for comedy.
0: I do a whole bit of my mom, and I imitate her to a T. And so a lot of people say to me, you know, what Sandra and they're Greek and they're Ukraine. They go that that could be my baba, or that could be my grandma, that could be mine. Do you get a lot of that? Do people from other ethnic backgrounds kind of identify with you uh, because of that?
5: Yeah, I had some Russians come to the show the other night, and they're like, man, we grew up in the same house. I feel like you're my brother. So, yeah, definitely a relatability there that people are gravitating towards. And uh, no matter where you come from, you know, we all had parents. We all grew up in this kind of environment. And, yeah, a lot of people are relating to it.
0: Yeah. It's definitely an art, um, though, uh, because I interview a lot of comics, and they won't skew to a particular. They just do their shit. They don't care about the audience. Um, do you think part of your success is because you are sensitive or uh, acknowledge who your audience is market to market?
5: Yeah. Um, I never gear it my material towards a specific audience uh, although I did do the immigrant thing just to it, it's it's just little, little nuances yes. but my comedy is my comedy and I'm, I'm not uh, gearing it towards any specific group of people I'm just talking about my life and whoever tends to come out to the show comes out to the show but for the most part I'm just uh, being true to myself and talking about my own experiences and whatever audience you attract uh, you attract but uh, yeah I think you have to Know where you're at, know where you're performing, who your audience is, and, you know, gear it a little bit to who's in the crowd.
0: What's interesting, are you aware, Dom Yeah. are you aware of the kind words he said about you?
5: Uh, Dom and I go way back. Dom Irera and Bruce Hills, who runs the festival. Came into the Four Seasons Hotel in Beverly Hills, where I used to work for seven years, in the in the Windows Lounge. This is around 2002, and uh, this is the first time I met Dom. I was a huge fan of his uh, growing up, watching his HBO special and and everything, and uh, I knew Bruce Hill just because uh, you know, being a comedian, you just know who's running what. Yeah, right and I was waiting on them, and I was asking about like the ethnic show at the time, because I knew they had this, actually it was the Italian show, I think they had an Italian show, all Italian comedians, and I'm like trying to ask them about what's going on in Montreal, and as I was waiting tables, so, uh, yeah, and, and then you fast forward whatever eight, nine years later. Dom and I are at the comedy store talking about this one evening that he came in, and that I was kind of asking questions. And uh, yeah, he's been he's been a great, great uh, supporter of mine, and uh, he's he's a, he's a nice guy.
0: He uh, recently was doing uh, his podcast with um, Andy Kindler, and uh, they were talking about original material. And Dom goes, you know, so I love his accent too, right? Uh you know some people say Sebastian's not original but I think he's one of the most original comics out there and I think that's such a great compliment to have other comics say that about you do you agree
5: Yeah I mean when you got guys like that saying stuff uh about you know my comedy r- original or not I, I I mean I don't know I'm just uh again uh, you know am I writing this prolific material that people are really sitting in the audience I yeah. uh, listen I, I i'm there to make people laugh and uh, that's my job and uh and it's nice to hear that that, that dom uh, appreciates it huge i think whenever people
0: at any level i mean there's a lot of that at festivals a lot of comics i've been talking to are so happy to be here with other comics and they're just fans of other ones who's in your comic tribe
5: i like uh bill burr who's here at the mm-hmm. festival uh, i enjoy brian Regan, yes. uh, which all comics, uh, love,
0: all comics love brian Regan. he doesn't do a lot of festivals though does he no, you don't see him around.
5: He's like, uh, he's very mysterious. He, uh, you know, he does his theaters and he goes back to his uh, house in Las Vegas, and uh, and that's about it. You don't really see him at these no. types of things. No. But uh, his comedy to me is very influential because he's physical as well. Mm-hmm. Grew up watching him, and uh, grew up watching Johnny Carson, Jerry Seinfeld, so. That's kind of my realm of comedians who I really enjoy. But
0: who do you hang with? Because I know comics. Like, do you jam with anybody?
5: No, nah, I, I don't really hang out with a lot of comedians. Um, you know, I'm married now and kind of going into a new chapter of my life where it's, you know, me and my wife. And we travel to a lot of these gigs together. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, there's guys that I I came up with, like uh, this guy named Brett Ernst, Ahmed Ahmed, uh, Mike Young, Mike Faverman, uh, Pete Corielli who I do a podcast Podcast. with. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but I I don't really... I don't know. I don't really hang. There's not really any time to really hang out with a lot of comedians because we're all traveling. Mm-hmm. G- coming up, we had a lot of time, but now it's you know everybody's working. So.
0: And keep listening. I'm Sandra Carusi on Inside Jokes. We have more with Sebastian Maniscalco coming up after this. You're listening to Inside Jokes. I'm Sandra Carusi with my interview with Sebastian Maniscalco, loving him. Quickly, when you're talking about Beverly Hills, um, there's a story about you or a waiter out there. And there was an open mic across the street, and you're supposed to get some people, some bread at your table, and you said, I'll be right back.
5: What I used to do is, uh, during my breaks, I used to run over to the comedy store and do my comedy and oh. then come back. So, at the Four Seasons Hotel, it's a place that, you know, services at the uh, a premium over there. And what I would do is, I would tell another waiter, hey, listen, i got to go do some comedy. Could you kind of manage my tables as I, as I go? And, uh... I had a walk out the last uh, last week. I was working there. I had a walkout for like four hundred dollars They walked out on their bill while I was doing comedy. So uh, that was kind of like the uh, they didn't get fired But uh, that was I I told myself I think I think I gotta quit the job and kind of do this
0: And that's the thing you got to be committed right and that was the turning point I guess
5: Yeah, I mean the Vince Vaughn Wildless comedy show was the big break for me to get out of the four seasons, but uh, yeah, I, I I I never let that job interfere with my comedy.
0: What's your dream gig?
5: I'm doing it. I mean, uh, m- my dream was to move out to Los Angeles and do stand-up comedy as a living. So uh, whatever comes after this is gravy, but uh, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm in uh, a good place, and uh, I got a great wife, and uh, all is good.
0: Are you guys going to have some bambinis?
5: Yes. Uh, of
0: course, i got to ask. I'm sorry, on
5: behalf of every Italian. Absolutely. Uh, but we're going to enjoy it. We're going to go to Greece and Turkey in a couple of weeks to take some time off. Me and my wife like to travel. So nice. we're going to get that out of our system. And then we're going to start a family. And then uh, we're going to have a lot more material.
0: There are some guys here, at comics, who are 50. I've heard it from multiple guys. Even Dana Gould mentioned his age. And they're talking about it's like a tipping point for comics. Once you get to a certain age, you're too old because everybody wants younger. Do you think there's truth to that? Because you're just you're just get like, you're...
5: Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the age thing has to do with uh, stand-up comedy. If you're funny, you're funny, and if you got an audience, they're going to come out and right. see you. I'm 42 years old, and uh, I'm speaking to not only the generation before me, but uh, the generation after me. So it's like, I don't know. I mean, uh, I feel like if you're relatable and you're current and uh, people enjoy what you're doing, you don't. You know, age really doesn't factor into that.
0: I always like to ask comics what your favorite joke or bit is. Yours or
5: someone else. Uh, right, right now, my favorite joke is, I do a joke about my grandma doing uh, lasagna trays <laughs> in the basement. I know. And It's very physical, so uh, when I know that's coming up in my act, I get like really excited because I, I know the audience is really going to gravitate towards it, so my favorite joke right now is anything that's... Anything that's new and exciting, you know, when you got that new joke, you can't wait to get to it because it's fresh and it's new. You haven't been doing it for a while. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my favorite. I choice. did
0: see you expand it more the other night than when I've seen you do it. Like, you just touched on it before and now you are kind of expanding on it. On ethnic humor and stuff like that, and I find with the Italian, I've stayed away from it because so many comics before me have had done it. And there's you got to watch certain ground. But you seem to find like the father the parent price when the father goes through the house like that's brilliant because again no one's gone there yet on the italian humor how do you do you ever worry about stepping on material that's been done
5: yeah i don't know i just again uh, we do tell my parents a different price because <laughs> you know they but that doesn't it's not really italian no. yeah. based it's no, could that it's could be anybody yeah. you know and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what's been done before, or what's you know, if that's original. If that, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm just reporting the news from my life, and uh, and. If,
0: and if it's been done.
5: Well, I mean, I, I, I'm i not. I don't like to repeat uh, material that's been done before. But uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know if. So uh, far, you haven't. Is what I'm telling you. Yeah. No, I'm I, the police. I know. You're the police.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Italian. Material police. Well, because I'm so, you know, especially if uh, someone with marquee talent has done something what? and someone Have you knew. you heard Aaron Price before? No, that's what I'm saying. That's my point. All right. I'm saying, like, no, not, like, out of all the, I've always, let's put it this way, I've stayed away from Italian stuff because I'm worried it's all been done. But then you managed to find stuff and you up the ante on it going, oh, how did I not think of that? Like, when you did it, I like, there was people falling down. There was, just so you know, are you ever, I know like with the lights, it's hard to see the audience. You could obviously feel it. Your improv skills are phenomenal. Do you have a background? Like, I mean, opening uh, the other night, there's people with signs in the front row. Oh,
5: what? That show that, yeah, well, right away, I saw the the signs, and I don't know, I tend to just react to how I feel at the, at the time I see okay. that stuff. So if the people made signs, and they brought them to the front row, and right away, I, I was I was commenting on that, because if I was out and about in my everyday life, I would be commenting on things that I see in my head, but right. now with the microphone, I just get to, to say it. And then, right. and... Uh, and that was the night where the people came through the through The light, that. yeah. the spotlight. So when things like that happen in the show, sometimes they're comedy gold because you don't even know what might come out of your mouth. So, uh, yeah, I just...
0: I think comedy gold of that show is when the woman in the front row was trying to take a picture, and you went right in her face. But then you took the mic stand, and you used it like a selfie stick. And you own that joke now. There's no other comic who could use a mic stand as a selfie stick. You know that, right? Are you aware? Like that's I don't know
5: i don't know i don't know i like when i did that i've been doing that for the last maybe four or five months the oh, selfie stick okay. i mean that that's part of kind of it, it yeah before. it comes in and out of the act and sometimes i'll save it for a moment like yes. that because yeah. there'll always be someone either trying to video or trying to take a photo it's a bit of a distraction because she had the to flash and yeah, the light yeah when i saw that i'm like oh this is a perfect opportunity to, to weave in the stick and yeah. uh and it worked out well.
0: And that was our guy, Sebastian Maniscalco, with more coming up on our final edition of Inside Jokes for 2015. Stay tuned. And we're back on our final episode of 2015, final segment with producer Vinnie Boombatz Tedesco and special guest who popped in just for this segment, Frank Spadone. Yes, hello. You're the best, Frank. We were talking to Sebastian oh, Maniscalco. That was my interview from JFL. You were at JFL. I missed you this yeah, year.
5: We keep missing each other.
0: It was a good year you at keep JFL. keep
5: missing me. <laughs> Everywhere, <laughs> it's like you're avoiding me. <laughs>
0: And that is, you know, when people hear this back to back, it sounds like you're Sebastian.
3: And I haven't even heard him in a while.
0: You do I, great physical comedy, too. I was talking to him about it. And you're yeah,
3: phenomenal.
5: I, I, you know, it's a natural thing. I don't know if it's maybe the Italian thing. You know, we're used to talking with our hands and it just goes right through our body. You know, and it, it could I think be
0: that's
1: that. 100% the reason. Yeah. It's my, my
5: wife appreciates my physical comedy. <laughs> Bang.
0: Um, so I wanted Frank on because we're promoting our show. I'm pr- opening for you guys, January 24th at Markham theater, uh, with Angela Sarukas. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast tickets almost sold out. So please get them at Markham Yeah, they're going fast. They're going fast. The final show of the year. I want to thank so many people. Um, this show for my good listeners, if you don't know, I've been battling uh, health issues for 18 months and I use comedy as a way to get over it. And, um, and the issue would be cancer. Yeah, I just played the C card. So you're, tell your friends. You're,
2: you're so awesome. It's how I got on the we, bill, Frank. We wish you the best of luck, honestly.
5: And <laughs> I'll I,
0: live till January 24th minimum. That's, all. that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, make sure
5: 25th, you're around she's for the show. Hey, make sure you're around for the show. <laughs> okay? Don't do this, <laughs> this to me now.
0: This is how you fight cancer. You laugh it out. Sam will show up on stage
5: with an IV in the front. That's okay. I'll help you out.
0: Vince Vince had his battle with throat cancers that's why we we make the C jokes a lot well oh, hey
1: yeah as a cancer survivor myself man, survive. that's the best root of comedy
0: what's interesting is why I wanted to play Sebastian why I have Frank here is that I would look at clips of these guys when I was in chemo and when Sebastian's special aren't you embarrassed came out on YouTube I actually sat with an IV drip at chemo watching it and laughing and other chemo patients go i want what she's having because i was laughing during chemo
5: (laughs) that's some sambuca in that drip over there like we had on our last show
0: and so i want to thank um the people here at chorus radio who who gave me this as a lifeline Um, Scott Gast, uh, Nathan, our new PD, I love you, you have that new PD smell, me Mm. like a long time. Uh, Matt Dawson, Chris Sysom, who hired me, of course, many, many years ago, Uh, it's your fault, actually, Uh, so everybody (laughs) can get mad at you. And uh, Mario Cicchini, our president, and our CEO, Doug Murphy. Yeah, I'm thanking everybody, because you know what, they're all on my celebrity list. And our Comic Rx, it's about holiday traditions for the holiday season. One of my favorites here with his new show, Mr. Jim Gaffigan for our Comic Rx.
3: Big holiday tradition, fruitcake. I love our holiday traditions, like the Christmas tree, where we go out
5: and we chop down a tree and we put it in our living room. Kind of sounds like the behavior of a drunk man, really. (laughs) Some woman wakes up,
3: Honey, why is there a, a pine tree in our living room? I like it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna decorate it. For Jesus. Uh, and then I'm gonna hang my socks over the fireplace. Fill them with candy.
5: Maybe I'll tie some leaves to the ceiling see if I can
3: get some action. But now I gotta puke on that couch. Merry Christmas. Some people get so into Christmas, they decorate their yards. It seems completely backwards. All right, chop down that tree, bring it in here. <laughs> Take all these lights, put them out there. Oh, I just gotta, I really gotta get a job. He's anti-Christmas. Easter, that's a weird tradition. Easter, the day Jesus rose from the dead, what should we do? How about eggs? Well, what does that have to do with Jesus? All right, we'll hide him. I don't... I don't follow your logic. Don't worry, there's a bunny. Ridiculous. Thanksgiving... uh, Thanksgiving, it's like we didn't even try to come up with the tradition. The tradition is we overeat. Hey, how about at Thanksgiving we just uh, eat a lot? We do that every day.
5: Oh, <laughs> um, what if we eat a lot with people that annoy the hell out of us? <laughs> oh, he's the anti-family.
0: I'm Sandra Carusi on the final episode of Inside Jokes 2015. Please stay tuned next year. Big Axe. So much more on Talk Radio AM 640. Mwah!